0: Thank you. Welcome to Social Minute, the podcast that looks at the social network minute by minute. And today we are finishing the week by covering minute number 45, which goes from 44 to 44.59 44, uh, on the clock. Uh, we start mid-sentence in the second deposition as we are told about uh, the, you know, the fact that Eduardo is <laughs> no longer um, Mark's friend. Sai uh, kind, of, kind of commits to that by... I, I like how he's kind of like, oh, we've already been through this. Like... You know the correct address for mr saverin um and of course eduardo tells us it exploded um and then we get details from Divya um about what it was like to be on campus uh when it happened um and then you know after after doing a classic sorkin list um you know Divya kind of tells us who was on campus at the time um you know and there's a question that's asked by side which we can get into a little bit um once we get there Um, and then we jump to uh, an auditorium Um, you know we're outside in harvard yard and then we go inside and (laughs) we get some very kind of detailed discussion from this speaker um, talking about you know a copy of popular electronics Mm -hmm. and you know how you know we've got to get basic out there and you know the kind of the the fact that, you know, if you had an 8080 microprocessor, you probably paid for, you know, 1k of memory. And that's where the minute finishes. And mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about that speaker uh, in a bit. And joining me to talk about this minute is Sarah Ifdecker. Hello, Sarah.
1: Hello, thanks for having me. Uh,
0: yeah, so like we kind of, we get, you know, we get the idea of what happened when Facebook was launched. Uh, you know, it was an instant success. We've already found out that, you know... Almost 900 people had signed up by the first day. Uh, You know, one of the Winklevosses was uncertain that they would even know that many people to sell drugs to. (laughs) Um, And so we're we're kind of then thrust into the idea that, you know, everyone on campus was using it. And I love the kind of dejected um, kind of way that uh, Max Mingheller delivers the line from Divya when he says, Facebook me was a common expression after two weeks. <laughs> um, and I like uh, that that is, you know, obviously the whole kind of, you know, obviously that is what people, you know, uh, were actually doing. Uh, but also how it moves the story forward in the flashbacks by two weeks. But the fact that he says after two weeks. Yeah. And so, like, you know, it's a nice little bit of exposition um, that kind of, you know, d- kind of helps us once we go back into the flashbacks. Um, and so we kind of know where we are. Because, you know, Facebook was launched, I think, um April 2004 something like that Mm -hmm. so this kind of pushes us towards the end of um, you know the the kind of academic year um, and it kind of sets us up for what will be you know the latter half of the film when we actually go to California and you know it takes place in the summer and you know like it, it kind of keeps us kind of clear on exactly where the timeline is um and also you know makes Divya seem extremely bitter uh, which I kind of like
1: and also very much (laughs) highlights just how quickly everything moved in because actually I didn't even think about until just now actually how quick this was until the moment when you know I joined Facebook and it was just a very kind of normal thing that you know you were excited about as part of oh I get to go I'm going to college I get to be on Facebook now and that was barely a year after this (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of weird. Yeah, this is like kind of I don't know. I, I find this interesting because obviously you know this film came out in two thousand eight, and it was talking about events that only took place like a couple of years yeah. beforehand. Um So it's it, it's kind of weird to get that. Uh, and Divya delivers you know what is known as like a Sorkin list, which is where someone will either list their own achievements or they will list a bunch of items. And in this case, he says you know Mark because he, obviously he's asked you know what about Mark? You know like Facebook me is obviously a big thing. And Sai says and Mark, and he goes of course. And I love how kind of uh, Max Minghella kind of kind of doesn't want to say the words, but he kind of has to say it. Yeah. Where he's like, Mark, Mark was the biggest thing on campus that included 19 Nobel laureates, 15 Pulitzer Prize winners, two future Olympians, which is where, you right. know, for some reason he, <laughs> he feels the need to kind of kiss up to the twins who are sitting right next to him. He even does a little kind of head nod towards, you know, the, the, the two future Olympians um right you know who,
1: especially because it's also future olympians were the others people who had already won their assorted nobel prizes i, I don't know i don't,
0: <laughs> I don't know um uh, yeah it's a, it is a weird phrasing but i guess it's because they're in the room with him um and then right. of course he says and a movie star um and Sai asks who was the movie star and i love the kind of the, the kind of does it matter and of course Sai says <laughs> no uh, now, that movie star um, in particular, Aaron Sorkin had asked if this movie star, if he could like, kind of mention her in passing in this film. Um, and she was happy for him to do that. So it's kind of with her permission that he does this. And the movie star was, of course, Natalie Portman. Um,
1: right. Yeah, I was thinking it must have been because yeah. I remember when she went to at this
0: time. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of weird because in the audience, if you don't know it's Natalie Portman, you're kind of almost left going. Was it? where Who was it? Like, who was the movie star? Mm-hmm. Like that? You don't care about the, you know, fifteen Nobel laureates or the, you know, Pulitzer Prize winners. Um, you know, you're just kind of like left at the end saying, "Who's the movie star?" Um, right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of interesting that you know they they go they go past Natalie Portman just in passing and they don't they don't actually say her name, um, even though yeah. Aaron Sorkin had apparently spoken to her and you know she was like she didn't mind kind of being mentioned, but I like that he took mm-hmm. the choice to be like. It doesn't matter. <laughs> not mm. even going to say it, um, and I
1: not relevant to the deposition. Yeah, and
0: I think this, of course, would have been around <laughs> the time that she did like uh, the Natalie's rap on SNL with uh, with Lonely Island. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of you know it's kind of funny that you know, uh, kind of her public persona at this time, particularly as this was like this was taking place like just before. Um, the third Star Wars prequel came out. <laughs> like that's when she was at Harvard. Mm. Um, so yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting. Like you know, it's it's weird that nobody in this film ever kind of mentions Star Wars. To be honest with you, um, you know,
1: right? They seem like people who would I don't know have opinions probably bad about the prequels.
0: Yeah, so it's it's kind of weird that they don't <laughs> bother to mention Natalie Portman or. Uh, and it's also worth saying as well here that there's a, an interesting choice because I, I don't think he pronounces it Nobel. He says like noble instead of nobel mm. um and then of course there is various discussion on how you're meant to pronounce pulitzer i always go with pulitzer uh, some people go with pulitzer um
1: i would have said pulitzer yeah there you but... go
0: so i don't know if that's just a you know uh, a difference between you know british and american but the fact that max mingheller says like he doesn't say nobel he says noble which is a weird thing um yeah but, you know, I guess it's named after a person. Um, and so um, maybe that's the way that person said their surname. I don't know. It's just a weird choice. It's one of those things mm. where you're when he's doing the list, it kind of stands out because I'm like, wait there. How's he saying Pulitzer? How's he saying Nobel? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's kind of yeah. It's kind of weird, you know. That, that's that's the way he chose to say it.
1: Yeah. And I was also wondering in that list. So, uh, you know, he's talking about the two future Olympians and the movie star. Those are clearly students. Because he doesn't say future Pulitzer and Nobel winners – are there really that many students who fall into that category, or are they talking about faculty?
0: Uh I don't know. I've gotta be honest with you, because yeah. the weird the weird thing is that um, you know, uh when when talking about BU, uh BU itself had a number of Nobel laureates and Pulitzer Prize winners as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think it had slightly less than this amount, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. So I don't. You don't know if he's talking about you know f- future alum or if he's talking about people that went during the kind of four years that they were on campus. Um, I don't know. It's. It, I. I. I mean. I, I guess maybe there's there's kind of more more people from kind of Ivy Leagues have won those awards than. Um, than other people
1: right yeah i was just thinking it couldn't possibly be current students on the grounds that i can't just i just can't imagine there are that many people under 22 yeah that have won <laughs> pulitzer prizes or no or nobel prizes
0: yeah it's i don't know it just kind of it just kind of seemed weird although um you know i will i will say this um uh, you know, uh, Harvard's alum does include eight U.S. presidents. That seems slightly outsized, mm-hmm. quite frankly. That <laughs> that seems like oh, yes. that seems like too many. Um, and it <laughs> has uh, sixty-two billionaires. Uh, I'm going to guess five of those are the people who worked at uh, who worked at Facebook. Uh, Three hundred fifty-nine Rhodes Scholars and two hundred forty-two Marshall Scholars. And then, as of October two thousand eighteen, there have been one hundred fifty-eight Nobel laureates, eighteen Fields medalists. Uh, 14 turin winners uh, 10 academy award winners 48 pulitzer prize winners hmm. and 108 olympic medalists including 46 that have won gold um so of the 158 nobel laureates it is possible that that like for that time period um you know those people would have won within a few years of being there like kind of I don't know. It, uh, I I guess there's a number of different fields in which you could win for Nobel. Right. So I, I don't know. Maybe if there's a couple of like physicists or chemists or something. Um, yeah. And, you know, in terms of Pulitzers, you can get Pulitzer Prizes for drawing cartoons. So I don't know. Yeah. It, feel, it feels like there's a wide amount of stuff that gets awarded for Pulitzer. So, um. yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's just I, I. the numbers do feel really weird. But, of course, you end up sticking on the fact that he doesn't name Natalie Portman. Um so, right. <laughs> so, so by the t- by the time he's by the time he's not naming Natalie Portman, that's the point at which you're like, hold on a second. Um mm. yeah, and then we get to kind of you know we we're we're back in you know, the kind of flashbacks, um and you know, as I said, kind of the flashbacks throughout the film they gradually kind of get more and more into the present. They get closer to the point where everybody's gonna start suing mark. um and then we have this kind of weird thing that the film did with um Bill Gates in the social network, which is... They had a guy who looks a bit like Bill Gates. And i got to be honest with you, the first kind of time that I saw, you know, this at the cinema, I was fully convinced that was Bill Gates. Like they showed.
1: I definitely looked it up and was like, oh, do they actually get Bill Gates? Uh
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so it's kind of one of those weird things where you're like, wait, Bill Gates? Like for a couple of minutes, you're like, this is, is that Bill Gates? Like and, you know, his voice sounds so close to Bill Gates uh, the way that he's delivering it, the kind of cadence of his voice, the way that he's talking, uh, which I will say this Bill Gates is probably one of the least charismatic speakers you've ever heard in your life. Um, mm-hmm. you know like he, he you know and this this kind of does sound like the kind of stuff that he would say like just going on and on about like um you know uh, computers or whatever um <laughs> And so mm-hmm. um yeah it's 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 kind of really weird that like you know they've got this guy standing there. And apparently, uh, and this is you know directly from David Fincher, he's actually from Seattle um, and mm-hmm. he is the number one Bill Gates impersonator in the world. Or at least that's how he was billed in 2009 when he was cast. Um, I
1: would not have guessed that that's uh, a big field to be in, <laughs> Bill Gates impersonations. Well,
0: here's the thing. Um, as uh, Flight of the Concords taught us, there is a, a very good market for people who look like other people. Um, right you know, If you recall the episode, if, if you have seen Flight of the Concords, um, I have yeah where where the Prime Minister visits and they have they want him to meet Barack Obama, so they have this Barack Obama lookalike. Um, and then they, there's mm-hmm. I can't. There's <laughs> one of the people who's there. Like this. I think there's like two Elton Johns or something, and he thinks it's a glitch in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he he's like going to he's the prime minister gets nervous and he's about to like throw himself off the building because he thinks something's wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, there is a market for kind of like lookalikes anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and apparently this guy, you know, was the kind of the number one Bill Gates lookalike to the point where he basically fooled almost everybody because mm-hmm. everyone when they saw the film was like, is that Bill Gates? Um, And apparently David Fincher said to Bill Gates, can you come and be in the film Mm -hmm. and, you know, play yourself like 10 years younger, whatever. And Bill Gates was like, "Um, no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which is um, fair. Yeah. Although now the thing is with this this Bill Gates lookalike is while he may look like Bill Gates, he sounds nothing like Bill Gates. Mm. Um, And so the person who does the the voice, it's a dubbing. Um, although admittedly for most of this scene you're only hearing him in the distance in the mm-hmm. auditorium so right. it's not it's not that kind of hard to do uh, but they did it on set they had like the guy who was the Bill Gates impersonator just kind of walking around and miming and then they had a guy on a mic standing to the side of the stage delivering the dialogue um you know because that was the easiest way for them to do it and you uh, really I'm guy... not
1: sure really see much of him even from the front i think a lot of what you see of him is kind of the back inside even
0: but for, but for the sake of obviously on set making it easier for them to do the different takes yeah. you know they had the guy there and the funny thing is the person who does the voice of bill gates is a 24 year old african-american kid with dreadlocks How- um <laughs> But he sounds exactly like Bill Gates. He does, and that, and that's, and that's why they had him on set to do it. Mm-hmm. So apparently, it was a little bit weird watching this guy walking around the stage just miming while this kid was off the side mm-hmm. just saying every single line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's I don't know. It's it's just a, kind of like a, a, a weird kind of fun moment of like um, you know f- f- you're kind of thinking to yourself, wait there, it, like it, is is that Bill Gates? <laughs> and, yeah, and obviously you know you kind of, it's kind of like, oh yeah, it, it kind of is Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. It's also worth saying that, you know, um, some of the stuff that like, obviously when, um, when, uh, Aaron Sorkin talked to Natalie Portman, uh, you know, and she provided, you know, allowed him to kind of mention her in passing. Uh, one of the things that she did was actually kind of talk about her time at Harvard with him. Mm-hmm. And he used some of that in the script in terms oh, of like what it was huh. like to be a student. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that she helped with. um, but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 just kind of weird, um, mm. you know. To, to uh, and also this whole Bill Gates thing is just really weird as well. It's just, it's just right. one of those kind of weird things where you're like, you know, it, it, as you see it, you're like, wait, there is that Bill Gates. Mm. And then of course, once you look into it, it's even weirder than that. Right. But yeah, and the, it's what's what's kind of strange is like the dialogue that he gives you of like, um, you know, he, he, he kind of he 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 talks about, um, you know, picking up a copy of Popular Electronics. Um, and, uh, you know, he says that he brought it back to his, his room at Radcliffe and looked at the magazine and he said, you know, we've, we've got to get basic out there. Uh, obviously basic being a programming language, um, a programming language, which I could actually program in when I was, I don't know, seven, eight, um, because we had a computer and one of the very few things you could do on it was, you know, write basic programs. Um, both in terms of their complexity and also the programming language they used. Um, So, you know, from a very young age, I was aware of basic, you know, kind of programming. Um, But then knowing how basic works, um, it's kind of like the most simple thing that people probably know in basic is uh, 10, um, you know, print, whatever, uh, 20, go to 10. And then you run and then that just makes one kind of phrase appear over and over again on the screen.
1: Right. And, I think um, I did something like that in a computer programming class in uh, yeah. high school, which was my entire experience of computer programming personally.
0: Yes. The uh, The go to command is probably the most basic command that anyone can do. Um, you know, the extension from that is go sub, which is where you write a subroutine where you, you have mm-hmm. one thing mean that goes one place and one mean it goes the other place. Um, so, yeah, that's about, that's all of my computer coding experience uh, summed up in those sentences um but yeah so like the the idea that you know he he talks about how you know most of you most most you think you know the rest of the story but you may not and he talks about the humble beginnings of the computer industry um and then he talks about this uh you know 8080 microprocessor uh which you paid for 1k of memory uh, which is kind of insane,
1: yeah. uh, if you think about if you think right. about
0: 1k of memory, um, because you know that like a thousand of that ends up being like one meg, so it's 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 like a thousandth of a meg, and it's kind of crazy that, um, you know, that was like the the whole memory that was in this particular computer.
1: Um right it's sort yeah. of vaguely so, horrifying now i i'm not sure what what i would do with that little memory on my computer
0: <laughs> yeah uh it's one of those weird things where it's like you know obviously uh, for people of a certain age obviously you used to have floppy disks and floppy disks the most you could format them to was 1.4 meg mm-hmm. um so then if you think about like a cd a cd is 700 meg so that's like 700 floppy disks um, and then if you think about, you know, like a, a DVD, that's 4,700 floppy disks. And then if you think about like, you know, a terabyte or, you know, like it, as soon as you, like if you try and picture everything in floppy disks, it kind of gets insane. But yeah, imagine having yeah. so little memory that it's like, it's not like a floppy disk would basically expand it by a thousand.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, um, and that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, I do a lot of, uh, kind of database work for my research, and you know now i can basically just do all of that on you know my laptop that i bring around with me and i have a bunch of you know excel files and i have a bunch of photos uh, but it's interesting if you read books written in the '90s that were the first ones really starting to do that kind of work in in history. That they talk about these like giant like computers that filled a full room that they had to be able to do this work, and they had to get all of this kind of funding for basically just stuff that I can do with my laptop.
0: Yeah, I th- I can't remember at what point there was a there was a point where like the the first Cray supercomputer. Like now, like if you've got a laptop, it's like 20,000 times more powerful than a Cray supercomputer. And a Cray supercomputer was like $20,000 or something just for, like, and like you say, it would fill a room. Um, A Cray still makes supercomputers, interestingly enough. Hmm. Um, But they're they're so big that they have. My favorite thing about Cray supercomputers is they have their own seating. Um, So if you ever look at any pictures of supercomputers, and I would advise anyone to do this because supercomputers are really fun. they actually, like, there's some craze where, like, one of the selling points was like, oh, yeah, and it comes with six leather seats that are around the main <laughs> module. <laughs> so you can sit down with a keyboard and use the supercomputer mm-hmm. while you're sitting on the super, supercomputer. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, it also does make me think of the, the whole thing where, I can't remember what episode it is now. I think it might be... Uh, Rosebud of the Simpsons, where Mr. Burns is very angry and he starts smashing stuff up, and he keeps saying "call yourself," you know, this, and he keeps smashing stuff up, and then he goes "call yourself a supercomputer," and <laughs> you see him like smashing up like a Cray Three, um, and it's just it's just very quickly, but it's like a, a really fun thing. But yeah, um, yeah, the kind of like the, the the way that memory has kind of exploded is is kind of weird, and watching this this kind of lecture, it's also it also kind of fits with the character of like mark and eduardo like Mm -hmm. it feels like mark has taken eduardo to see this lecture i mean you know in 2000 whatever you know people i'm sure bill gates was probably making a pretty penny out of the college lecture circuit anyway Mm -hmm. um but it feels like mark has probably been the one to drag eduardo to this like eduardo probably has little or no interest in seeing bill gates Uh other than i don't know i don't know as a business major maybe he has a tiny bit of interest Uh, But it feels like this is more of a Mark thing than, you know, than an Eduardo thing. Yeah, the lecture seems
1: very focused on the actual, like, computer stuff um, as opposed to the business side.
0: Yeah, and I think more in the next few minutes we'll see that Mark is kind of focused on the actual lecture, whereas Eduardo is focused on some new people that we're going to meet in the next couple of minutes. Yes, <laughs> his his attention is 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 somewhere else. Um, but yeah, so I I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting. I I just love the fact that this is a Bill Gates impersonator who doesn't sound anything like Bill Gates. <laughs> like it's just it's such a wonderful. And once you know it, it's kind of weird because you're trying to look out and watch his mm-hmm. mouth and see, but you can't because of the way that it's shot. Like it, you know, obviously David right. Finch is not gonna not gonna slip up. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I, I kind of love that. Uh, it's also interesting because once we switch back to the you know the second deposition that's going on with the Winklevoss twins and everything. Um, this is probably the first scene, I think, where we actually see Rashida Jones, or Rashida mm-hmm. Jones, I don't know how you want to say it, um, actually in, you know, she's in there with, um, with with you know, Cyan Gage. You know, she's always been in the other, you know, kind of deposition, but this is kind of the first time we, we start to see her in the Winklevoss deposition. Yeah. And I have a feeling that's because Eduardo was recently deposed.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I
0: think, you know, there's a bit of a crossover now between the two depositions um so you know it's just kind of interesting that you know she's just there in the background uh you know quietly just sitting around being rashida jones mm-hmm. um you know so I, I i just find it interesting that it's kind of making it clear to the viewer if you're paying attention that you know the, the timelines between the two depositions are getting a bit closer because now you're starting yeah. to see people from one in the other um you know and i think uh, i might have mentioned this before but i think when um uh, when Eduardo is deposed in, uh, with the you know in the in this in this deposition in the in this particular room, that's the only time that he ever meets the Winklevoss or Divya Narendra in the entire film. Um, oh, you know huh. they're, they're, their their storylines <laughs> are kept apart. Yeah, because obviously you know when 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 we eventually get to the cease the cease and desist letter that comes, obviously you know um, Eduardo has no idea what's going on with. Wait, right, like, who the hell are now. these people? Yeah, so, so but yeah, that's that's the one scene where they kind of actually cross over and you get to see them together in one place. Um, so yeah, I mean, is there anything else that we need to talk about in this minute, do you think? Uh,
1: no, I think that's everything. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything.
0: There's a line that comes in the next couple of minutes uh, where there's a kid who doesn't realise who the lecture was um and uh, mm. i kind of i love that little moment because it, yeah. it feels very real um and kind of the like those the, the, those characters only appear very briefly for like 20 mm-hmm. seconds but you kind of you, you see a whole kind of like group dynamic um and i would like to imagine yeah. that there's another another kind of like film taking place on the side where those those kids kind of meet mark zuckerberg and they have this story about how they mixed up the fact that it was actually bill gates um you know with right do you, th- do you think they
1: tell that part of the story to their friends that they didn't know who Bill Gates <laughs> I th- was
0: yeah I, d- I don't know that's the weird thing isn't it like you think everybody who went to Harvard with Mark Zuckerberg would at least have a Mark Zuckerberg story yeah um but yeah you don't know if those kids actually tell that part of the story where they're like yeah I didn't even realize it was Bill Gates uh, right but yeah that's that's a wonderful moment in you know coming up in the next in the next couple of minutes but yeah I don't know I I kind of like how you know we kind of Uh, We're already in the back of our minds now. We know that the, you know, the Winklevoss twins and Divya are getting ready to sue. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it's nice, you know, when we get to the deposition, we can kind of see, I don't know, like, uh, you kind of see the bitterness already. (laughs) Like, you you know, you can't like, it's kind of understandable when you when you see how quickly it took off and how big it got. Um, and I'm sure we can all kind of remember when Facebook started and it was kind of just became this big thing that it's like mm-hmm. the, fact, the fact that the Winklevoss twins and Divya Arendra were kind of so bitter that they think someone stole their idea. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a little understandable, but at the same time, like you said, when you, you know, you watch the film, um, you know, the film is kind of, I don't know, it, at certain points it feels like it's trying to make you hate Mark Zuckerberg, uh, but then at other times it feels like it's trying to redeem him just a little bit here and there. Um, and, you know, I I think kind of, Making the Winklevoss twins and Divya and Arindra feel like, you know, uh, I don't know, Mark kind of puts it as like that, you know, they're, they're standing on his back and trying to make out like they achieved something. Right. Yeah. That. I mean, they're
1: clearly so kind of horrible and entitled, and in a lot of ways. And so that I think kind of makes Mark look better by comparison, even though Mark does an immense amount of unlikable things, especially in the very beginning of the film. So.
0: (laughs) So it's kind. It's kind. I. I find the kind of like the characterization throughout this film really kind of interesting, and and, you know, particularly because I, you know, I really enjoy Jesse Eisenberg as an actor, and I think Mm -hmm. he's, you know, kind of he's like in this particular role, he's kind of got a very hard job because. You know, I mean, we had two minutes without him, but for most of the film, he's on screen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's quite a big burden for, you know, a young actor to kind of carry of just like having to be in the film all the time. Um, and so, you know, the fact that he's on screen so much is, it you know, he manages to kind of, uh, you know, uh, particularly with the different kind of time periods. You know, his Mark Zuckerberg is not the same throughout the film. So, you know, in the one depositions, he's very kind of shut down. And in the other deposition, it feels like he's trying to make amends with Eduardo. Um, and then obviously in the in the past, you kind of see the friendship that he had with Eduardo. Um, you right. Know, and, and, and the fact that Eduardo would be willing to go to like a Bill Gates lecture about you know, the beginning of computing, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because obviously Mark's his friend um you know obviously uh, that lecture ends up with you know them both getting quite a good outcome so I, <laughs> you know i don't think eduardo's getting to complain about it. he that. feels but okay about yeah, that kind of, lecture uh. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's, it's kind of interesting you know like the the, the the different even within these few minutes kind of the different relationships at different stages that are being kind of depicted and you know i think all the actors on screen do a really good job of uh, kind of keeping track of where they are kind of emotionally
1: yeah, and I think they do that well with the uh, with the Winklevosses and Divya as well, that even in this scene after, obviously, Cameron's, you know, come on board and decided that he's fine with suing him, still, I would say, all of the moments of the kind of more overt hostility still come from Tyler and Divya, who are the ones who are more kind of viscerally angry to begin with.
0: Uh, well, thanks for being my guest this week, uh, Sarah, to discuss these minutes. Uh, and before we go, is there anything that you wish to plug?
1: Uh, yes, so I have a podcast called Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast, where I and my co host, Ollie Brady, talk about medieval movies and why they are wrong. And you can find us on Twitter at MediaEvilPod and on Facebook and on various uh, podcasting, podcasting platforms. And you
0: can find us on MySpace at MySpace.com slash The Social Minute or on Twitter at Social underscore Minute or on Facebook at The Social Minute Podcast. Thanks once more for being my guest today.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: And otherwise, I'll see you next week.
1: Bye.